Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Romans chapter 6. I need to open something to us. You see, before I start preaching, eh, let me share a mind here. The Bible says that the things that were aforewritten were written for your learning. Okay? That through comfort, patience of the scriptures, you might what? Have hope. In that hope that what? That faileth not. Hallelujah. That hope that you need to stand and believe that certain things in your life are going to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a hope every child of God needs in their spirit. Because the Bible says, hope deferred maketh the heart what? Seek. There are people here who are sick inside because hope is deferred. Are you with me? You hope that at this age you ought to have built a house. You hope that at this age you ought to have bought a car or a plot of land. You hope that at this age something would have happened in your life. But you see, all of these things have not happened. And when hope was deferred, the heart became seek praise the Lord Jesus Christ that frustration you carry because you have not turned out to be the man you have wanted to be or the woman that you have wanted to be when you are growing up you had dreams you had aspirations there is somewhere you expected yourself to be at 20 or 25 or 30 okay like somebody was supposed to start books in September and there was a slowing hope is deferred it maketh the heart sick you understand? When you say, I'm going to plan to get married in, in 2015, and then you get to 2020 and you're not married, there's a frustration. You might encourage yourself in the Lord and say, I don't care, it's right time. You can speak all these counseling things on your life. But there's a place where hope is deferred. Why? Because you're not seeing and moving the way you expected to move. Are you with me? So the Bible says that the things that were written are for, were for your learning. Because learning... Okay? Precedes is the first thing. What happens? You learn. Okay? Now, through that, you regain patience and comfort of the scriptures that you might have hope. There are people who carry a patience and comfort not out of scriptures, but out of human wisdom. Somebody says, everything is going to be okay. How come it's not getting okay? Okay? And then somebody says, soon things will change. And they're speaking these positive things in their lives. And then they wake up one day and nothing happened. I'm, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be okay. You're sick. I'm going to be okay. You're sick. I'm going to be okay. They say that all their lives and tomorrow they die. And then you go back and ask yourself a question. If this person believed that something was going to change, how come they died? Are you with me? So when you're talking about comfort... And patience. When the Bible says he will comfort us on every side and increase our glory. The comfort we're talking about is not the comfort that you draw from how you know how 
to configure your mind to think positively. But it must come with the power and life that is from the scriptures. That is why the Bible says that the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The comfort that you carry must carry a certain life. The hope that you carry must come from a comfort and patience that is after a certain revelation. You can be patient when you're sure. Are you hearing me? Jesus has a program and they tell him Lazarus is sick. And he says, Lazarus' sickness shall not end in death. And Lazarus dies. But Jesus doesn't come rushing to make sure, oh, let me rush that Lazarus doesn't die. No, it doesn't matter whether Lazarus dies. He carries a certain comfort and patience. It doesn't matter whether this guy spends four days in the, the tomb. I'll get him out. I'll get him out. When you carry a certain comfort, eh? And you carry a certain patient. So there are people who wait on the Lord, but they are waiting on the Lord in ignorance. And they wait and wait and wait, and then they realize that actually they wasted time. They didn't get the results that they wanted. But they were saying, I am waiting on the Lord. Let me tell you, if you actually study the root word for waiting on the Lord, according to scripture, you realize that the root word for waiting on the Lord is one which waited on the Lord as one who awaits the moving of the Lord forward before him. Waiting on the Lord is not just, I'm waiting for him to manifest, no. It is, I'm waiting for him to move here and just go ahead of me to do something, okay? It's deeper than just saying, I'm waiting for... You see, when the Bible says you're being blessed with every spiritual blessing, the heavenly blessing in Christ Jesus, it means you have. So if you're waiting for that blessing, and according to the mind of the Spirit, you have been blessed, and then you go to God to pray. God doesn't understand your prayer. Because you're asking for what you already have. I bought my child a toy phone, and the child goes on his knees and starts to say, God, I like, I want a toy phone. Yet I bought it for him already. It's just in a different room. You understand? Are you with me? So there's a place where you have to also ask yourself, what is the point of asking for things you already carry in Christ? And if you carry them, so how do you ought to pray? How do you ought to pray? So when the Bible says that you pray and receive not, because you ask amiss, some people don't know how to pray. You're just used to people praying for you. Are you with me? But that has to change. You have to be your own apostle, your own pastor, evangelist, prophet, teacher, hearing machine. Are you hearing me? You be yourself. Hallelujah. Say amen. It's mine. Say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. So when he says he shall comfort us on every side and increase our glory, he's talking of a place where the comfort comes from a certain revelation. So the Bible says the things that were written were written for, for your learning. That's through comfort, because if I teach you, okay, if God teaches you, comfort comes and a certain patience. You understand? Even if you're 60 and you're persuaded that you can't be barren, you don't lose appetite. When they call barren women, you don't come. Not because you're being rebellious, but your brain has cleaned itself of any barrenness. Are you hearing me? The great Sunamites. Elisha comes to her and tells her, what can I do for you? She says, I'm well with my people. It's Gehazi who tells her, no, she's barren. But she refused to mention it. Not because she doesn't want a child, but because she, she had conditioned her spirit to know that a child must come. It's not my prayer request. And amazingly, you realize still the child came without her prayer request. Because she had already settled it in her spirit that she had a child. Are you with me? 
But you cannot carry that kind of hope if it's not from a scripture. You can't carry a certain kind of patience if it's not from the revelation of Christ. Somebody say amen. So, this is what the Lord told me some time back. The Lord told me there are two kinds of ministers. There are ministers who teach as they are taught. And there are ministers who teach because they were taught. You understand the difference? There are people who teach as they are taught. So they are progressively teaching as to how they are progressively taught. They learn, they teach, they learn, they teach, they learn, they teach. But there's a place in God where you stop learning and become learned. That any other thing that comes as learning is actually remembrance. When the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord shall teach you all things, listen, all things, then when it's done, and remind you that which you have forgotten. Okay? He shall teach you all things, comma, and remind you all that you've forgotten. The Spirit of the Lord is in our lives. How about when the Spirit of the Lord is come, he says in John 16, okay? The comfort of the Holy Ghost from the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you, he shall teach you all things. It's possible for a man to know all things. We have an unction from on high. Paul said we know all things. So you know all things, the Bible says, and bring all things to your remembrance, whosoever I have said unto thee, whatsoever I have said unto thee. There's a place where God just has to bring to remembrance. Certain people will learn. It's not a place where you claim it by faith. It's a place of experience in God. You see, the life of salvation is a place of experience in God. To the degree God has dealt with you is to the degree that you minister to men. That is why our primary ministry is not to men. Our primary ministry is to God. The Bible says, and as they ministered unto the Lord, okay, the Spirit said, the Spirit said, if you're in your life you have not had the Holy Ghost or God speaking to you, it is because you have not ministered to God. When you learn to minister to God, you'll start to hear His voice. When you learn to minister to God, you learn to hear His voice. That's why the Bible says in Acts 13, as they ministered to the Lord in prayer and fasting, the Lord told them, separate me, Paul. The Spirit of the Lord told them, separate me, Paul and Banner, for the work which I've called them. Same thing with Eli and, and Samuel. The Bible says, and as the boy Samuel ministered unto the Lord. You understand? The Bible says the Spirit said. The Spirit can only speak when you learn to minister to God. The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. He ministered unto the Lord. Sometimes our people, they come in church, we come in, in a place of, of ministry, and they just want to rush into ministry. And so they learn the ways of ministering to individuals, but they fail to know the way of ministering to the Lord. And when they fail to minister to the Lord, they carry too much human ideas. And they present that as the doctrine of Christ. Hence, the testimony of tradition. Are you hearing me? Yet our primary place is to minister to the Lord. Because when you minister to the Lord, the reason why you have to learn to minister to the Lord is that you will hear His voice distinctively. When you start to hear God, He will lead you through your sermons. He will lead you through the songs you write. He will lead you through your intercession. He will lead you through the relationships that you carry. He will lead you in your business. He will lead you in your deals. He will lead you in everything that you're supposed to be led in. Why? Because how can you lead a man who does not hear? But how many Christians really hear God? 
And how many actually don't even hear God, but they're too desperate to hear with a fanatic spirit, and therefore they hear something like God. They're familiar spirits that are even too accurate. You might think it's God, but it's not God. Because the spirit of God which speaketh, speaketh against the spirit of truth. Hallelujah. And it's, that's why we teach that you'll know the difference. Are you with me? So God has to cause you to hear, but if you want to learn to hear him, learn to minister to him. When you minister to him, you will hear. And when you hear, he will teach. And when he teaches, he will teach you all things. And when he teaches you all things, you'll be learned. You speak as a learned person. You don't speak as a learning person. Okay? There's a place where we can't afford making errors anymore on the pulpit. There was a time we had time, but now we don't have time anymore. Because errors equal to the lives of men. That is why Paul tells you that I am accountable of no man's blood. Why? Because I have revealed unto you the whole counsel of God. You see? So the counsel of God equals to the lives of men. What I don't know will kill you. Because I don't know it. And therefore I can't teach you into it. He says, wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to deliver unto you all the counsel of God. That means if you gave 98% of the counsel of God, certain men would die. Do you realize that now our ministry even becomes more serious? That is why if, if you're mediocre and you're normal Christian, business, working, wherever you are, it's okay. But the moment you want a mastery, the Bible says in Corinthians that if a man requires a mastery of things, that man must be temperate in all things. But James wants us and says, many who desire to be masters, he says, be careful. For unto us comes a weightier judgment. Why is judgment weighty on us? Because we know what saves men. Whether you're a preacher, you're a pastor, you're an evangelist, you're a prophet, you are a businesswoman, wherever you are, there's something you must know. And that is the saving power. Because the word revelation is translated as God's redemptive power. God redeems through revelation. The people without a vision cast restraint. When the people don't carry vision, they die. If, if you don't see in the spirit, you die. You die quickly. You die spiritually. You can only be alive because you can see. The Bible says that a righteous man foreseeth evil and hideth. And the Bible says that a guy who is wicked, he comes and falls into it. Because there are certain things that are not supposed to happen to you. They are not supposed to happen to you. But you see, if you don't carry, if you want to walk in the grace of vision, you must walk in the grace of the spirit of truth. That is what the Bible says. That the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts asunder, separates the bone and marrow, exposes our hearts and thoughts for what they really are. The Bible says, for nothing is hid before him. For all things are naked before him. Are you hearing me? There is no creature that is not manifest. Give me the amplified of that, Hebrews 4.13. Uh-huh. He says, and not a creature uh-huh, exists that is concealed from his sight. But all things, the Bible says, all things are what? Are open and what? Exposed, comma, Naked and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Who? The word. When you get the word in your spirit, even if you're not a prophet, you will see. Are you hearing me? Because you need vision. Somebody say, I need vision. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say, it's mine. I receive it. I'm walking in it. I'm functioning in it. Nothing will happen. 
without my knowledge. Because I'm pumping the word of God in my spirit. I'm pumping the word of God in my spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, it's, it's the place where the Bible says, For the Lord has given me the tongue of the land. Isaiah says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the land. He didn't say, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learning. Okay? He says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the land to know how, not what. How? Because you're past what. You already know what to sing, what to preach, what to speak in the conference, what to do. You know what. Now you're asking yourself on the house. And the house comes with the knowledge of learning. The Lord has given me the tongue of the land that I should know how to speak a word to him in season that is weary. And the Bible says, he wakeneth. Morning by morning, he wakeneth my ear to hear as the land. That means that there are people who hear as learning men. And there are people who hear as land men. Are you with me? So, that's why I say that the Lord told me a while ago, some time back, that there are ministers who teach as they are taught, and there are ministers who teach because they are taught. Are you hearing me? Regardless of what you are called to do. Are you with me? Now, when God is dealing with a learning minister, that minister is going, could be part of the experience, but might not get the understanding of the experience up to the end of it. For example, Peter is hungry. He goes up, you know, and a sheet falls with four-legged animals. He doesn't understand it. And the Bible says he ponders on the vision. Why? Because he doesn't what? Understand it. And he fails to get answers. Until the Holy Ghost tells him. That three men come looking for you. Go with them to the house of Cornelius. He goes in the house of Cornelius. He reaches the house of Cornelius when he still doesn't know why he's there. Now it's dangerous to live in that kind of plane of ministry. That is if you all know that all of you are ministers. Some of you think ministers are pastors. Teachers, evangelists. No. The Bible says he gave some pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets. And who? prophets for the perfecting of the saints you and I for the work of ministry that means everybody in this room is a minister you might not be on the pulpit you might be one who makes money for the gospel you might not be on the pulpit you might be one who who probably does something in your whichever, whichever right that you do but everybody in this room is a minister you must accept it that you are a minister don't think that ministers are the people who are some people say, oh, they're ministers. No, listen, all of you are ministers of the gospel. Somebody say, amen. You have your part, whether you're a public relations officer, you're doing PR for the kingdom, whether you are an IT person, what are you doing for Fanero or your home church? You must have something you're doing. It's all ministry. Somebody say, amen. If you're an administrator, can't you suggest certain things administrative for the ministry to go forward? We're all ministers. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's go back to the issue. It's a dangerous place when somebody ministers from just a place of learning. Eh? Why? Because if you're vainly puffed up, like the Bible says, in your own mind, you can wake up standing before the house of Cornelius and preaching about divine healing. Yet they need the infill of the Holy Ghost. But if you're learned, you can't make that mistake. Because you're past what to preach in the house of Cornelius. You are in the how to preach it. Who has understood what I'm saying? 
Did you understand? Did you understand? If you are Peter, okay, you better, you know, you work on chance to produce results. Because you might misapprehend the purpose of coming to the house of Cornelius. And you preach about money when Cornelius has been hungry for the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you don't know what to teach. Let alone how to teach it. You don't know what. Are you with me? So the Bible says that while he ate speck, the spirit just said, let me just help this guy. He filled the house of Cornelius. When he did, the Bible says, Peter says, Oh, the truth I perceive. Now he has just seen it in the end. That God is no respecter of persons. Are you hearing? And what does the next verse say? Uh-huh. But in every nation, he that feareth him and walketh righteousness is accepted with him. Listen, he realizes this in the 35th verse. But before he went there, he didn't know anything. Those are people who produce results, but they produce results by chance. You see, listen, you have to get to a point where you don't produce results by chance. That's why Paul, for example, when it comes to money, Paul doesn't say, I know how to believe God for money. No, he says, I know how to be full, higher, and I know how to be a best. He says, for I am both instructed. Are you hearing me? To be full. He knows how. Are you hearing me? He says, I know how, listen, to be a best, and I know how to abound. Everywhere, everywhere, Beautiful in the Amplified. He says, one to the score. He says, I know to be a best and live humbly in straightened circumstances. And I know also how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. It's not a hope. It's not a prayer. I am believing God for abundance. No, it's a knowledge. Somebody say it's a knowledge. He says, I know how to what? To live in abundance. Now listen, what does it say? I'm learning. What does it say? Does it say I am learning? What does it say? He says, I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well fed or going hungry, having insufficiency and enough to spare, or going without and being in want. Next verse. Uh-huh. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for what? Ready for what? And equal to what? Through him who what? Infuses inner strength in me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. <laughs> they don't teach you how to make money. You know how to make money. They don't teach you how to get married. You know how to get married. They don't teach you how to increase. You know how to increase. They don't teach you how to be wise. You know how to be wise. They don't teach you how to demonstrate. You know how to demonstrate. They don't teach you how to prophesy. You know how to prophesy. They don't teach you how to make a layman walk. You know how to make a layman walk. They don't teach you to hear. You know how to hear. They don't teach you to see. Then you know how to see. They don't teach you. They don't. T- you know. And he says, and in that day, no man shall teach his neighbor, know the Lord. He says, for all shall know the Lord, from the first to the last. Somebody say, it's mine. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So, you don't live by chance, you live by knowledge. I'm believing God for a job. But there's another man who knows how to get a job. You're believing God for marriage. But there's a certain woman who knows how to get married. You're believing God for increase in your ministry. But there's somebody who knows how to increase in ministry. You're believing God for healing. But there's somebody who knows how to get healing. They know. They don't believe God for it. 
they know. So we're living in a generation and we're moving in a time where all will know. That's why we're teaching the way we are teaching. Not to just create awareness only to consciences, but to make you know. Such that you know. You know. Somebody say, I know. In the name of Jesus. So, when you speak about the town, the land, that's why I give the correlation between the place of Peter where he perceives of a truth after preaching. That means he could have erred. But there's another one who knows how. He gets on that pulpit when he knows how. She enters that business when she knows how. He enters that project when he knows how. He enters that commitment when he knows how. When she knows how. You know how. Are you hearing me? You know how. I know how to build a church. I know how to build ministry. I know how. I must know how. I must not leave it in the air for Kesera, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Let us believe God. You know those things disappoint God. They disappoint the spirit. There is nothing that disturbs the spirit of God like you leaving it to him to do what is your responsibility. When he was living, he said, these things I have done, you shall do and more. Your responsibility. For I go to the Father. You must know how to produce the results that you need. Somebody say amen. Say amen. Do you know why people are struggling and going, oh, Apostle Grace, help me? It's because they don't know how. But if you teach, they will reduce. But before you know how, it's important you come for prayers because you might even die before you know. So I'd rather lay a hand on you and you get what? And keep you long enough to know when you know. You see, there are some people who built ministries on ignorant people. And they can survive well on ignorant people. As long as the person is ignorant, eh, they will do anything. And this guy will know how these ones will always be there. You understand? If I need a number, if I need a But now the generation we are moving in, people are not ignorant. People are skipping out. They say, me, I'm not a man. You understand? People are not ignorant. People are not ignorant anymore. The days of ignorance have come to an end. You either know God to teach me or you don't. You understand? Some people speak and you say, hey, this guy is a pastor. Guy here, no, he has gone. Even me, this guy, when I know, you understand? Man, and then you're a man of God, but there's somebody in the back there who's weighing you against mystery. Oh, you see, you're preaching, but the guy is saying, God deliver us. <laughs> I guess I could call a business name. Chigani, I guess I could quit it is a name. I got a queen, but I do you know being in a state where they say, Now, about who should we send? They say, Then they say, Claire. Ah, 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 Claire, I will amu. Oh, God. Claire, I will amu. I refuse. I refuse that upon my life. You should be the first people they think about. The first person. When they need to promote, it's you. When they need to send somebody, it's you. When they need to get somebody to delegate work, it has to be you. It has to be you. It has to be you. Get a hold of it now and say, it has to be me. Yes. When they're looking for the next administrator, you. The next HR, you. The next ED, you. The next MD, you. The next is you. 
It has to be you. It has to be you. He says you shall be heads and not the tails. Above and not beneath. That's what he said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It has to be you. When they say, the ED has quit, you go in the corner and start to say, They're looking for a new uh, executive assistant. Listen, some of you, you'll, you'll get to places where you're the ones who are refusing jobs. In Jesus' mighty name. You refuse them. Let them not refuse you. Let them not refuse you. Why? Because you know. Hallelujah. You have to get to a point where you know how to. You know how. So that's the difference between learning ministers and learn. You know, my mandate is simple. Just to create land men. The moment I create land men, man, you wait for the next move. You bring a lame guy the usher and the hills. You understand? Pastor Grace needs time to preach. You understand? You know that kind of experience? Where you don't need to go with a special man of God is walking in. If he doesn't walk in, the healing will not take place. <laughs> Those days have come to an end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can do, say it, all things through Christ which strengthens me. All things. All things. All things. By Christ which strengthens me. Oh. So now. This is how God dealt with men of God as well. There are men who are learned. In the scriptures. And there are men who are learning. In the scriptures. That is why at a particular point. There is a scripture in the Bible. Where God wants to bring a certain line. And message of righteousness. In the future by faith. And the Bible says. And the scriptures foreseeing. That God will justify the Gentiles by faith. He preached this gospel to Abraham. He realizes, ah, if I leave Abraham out there, and he starts to speak as a learning man. Are you hearing me? He says, and the scriptures first thing that God would what? Justify the what? The heathen through faith. He preached before, listen, the gospel unto who? Abraham, say, in this shall all nations be blessed. He gets Abraham, he tells him, you know what? There's something coming up. And so everything you're going to start to do right now will be me and you tag teaming to teach. Are you with me? Where it's not like Hosea, where God tells him, go in the house and get a wife. He gets Goma. Goma produces three children. She goes back in Hordom. And then God tells the guy, go back for her. He goes and buys her back. And then God tells Hosea, you did this because I was trying to tell you the relationship that I share with Israel. Israel is a whole to me, so I'm using you as a figure. You understand? And, and, and Hosea said, oh, God did this to do this. No, you have to be ahead of the game. Are you hearing me? You're leading people, but you're ahead of the game. You're leading people in your company, your workplace, your ministry, but you're ahead of the game. You know God has told you the end of that thing. You're not working from a progressive learning. Oh, oh, this is, oh, this is why God yourself. No, no. You already know. Are you hearing me? You know. 
You must function in a place where you know. You must live in a grace where you know. Are you with me? So he preached this gospel to Abraham. The next thing you know, everything Abraham is doing, he's doing it as a landman. It's the same thing that happened to Moses. He gets to Moses, he shows him the grace, he shows him the law, he shows him the power of the law, he shows him the power of grace, he shows him the mystery of Christ, he showed Moses Christ. Before Christ came in the body. And that's why the Bible says, and Moses, when he was full of age, the Bible says he refused to be called a son of the daughter of Pharaoh. Are you hearing me? Rather what? And the Bible says, by faith, when Moses was come to Yaz, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Next verse. Uh-huh. Choosing, listen, rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, listen, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, uh-huh, esteeming the what? The reproach of Christ, greater riches. Jesus met him and tells him, man, you know what? This is the gospel. This is where you're going. This is what's going to happen. And Moses says, ah, I think I should change my name. Why? Because in 2015, I don't want them to say, Moses, the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. I want to be identified with your reproach. Because I know there is reproach coming on the Christ. He's going to be stricken, considered afflicted and smitten of God. He's going to be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for iniquities, chastisement of our peace was upon him. He sees the whole story and says, Ah, if this thing is falling down, I don't want to be on the side of Pharaoh. Now that he goes the other side. As a landman. Somebody say Moses was land. That's why the Bible says Moses knew the ways of the Lord. He was not learning. He knew. God taught him. You remember the scripture? He says, and he refused. Listen to Moses. Listen to Moses. He says, and when God had set the children of Israel. This is Moses. Those are the children of Israel. He says, when God had set the children of Israel free, he refused to take them through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. For God said, least peradventure, these people, minus Moses, repent when they see woe and they return to Egypt. Moses knew the way through the Philistine. He could, listen, he could find his way through the Philistine land and lead them in 12 days. Listen, the land from the promised land, listen, to the crossing of the Jordan was 12 days. If 12 days. 12 days. But they didn't know how. They, they didn't have a certain character. But Moses had it. That is why in the scripture he doesn't say, when the Lord delivered our people, he did not choose to lead us. No, he said he didn't choose to lead them. The problem is them, not me. Me, I knew. Who is with me? He says, no, the problem is not me. The problem is them. Now, what are the burdens and frustrations of a man who is trying to lead people to the promised land? He knows the way of the 12th day. But he knows the character on them can sustain a 12th day. And it takes 40 days. He knows the way. He's different from them. Because God had dealt with him. But he's troubled with men who are moving with him. They love him. They are claimed that he's their leader. But they don't know the way. And sometimes the landman wants to take them the 12-way journey, but he knows 
the rich in the middle of the Philistine land, the Bible says they will see woe and they will return. Do you know that they had to have a miracle of faith to, to separate the water? But by fear, they would find their way to Egypt. That's what fear can do. It can make you do something you can't do by faith. That's why you run faster when dogs are chasing you. You put a marathon of a million dollars, they win him. You get a dog, a British bulldog with white blood, and he runs faster than Hussein Bolt. Record breaking. Are you with me? Now, you put yourself in the shoes eh, of a man who knows the way, but he knows that they don't have enough character and spirit to make it there. And he can't superimpose himself to give them the impression that he's better than them. So he realizes, I have knowledge pops up, but love edifies. Let me love them enough to walk with them for 40 days and they waste my time. Because most importantly, my divine assignment is that these guys didn't know how to be a nation anymore. They could make any mistake. Are you hearing me? So Moses, Moses has the frustration that I've seen with anybody who knows something certain people don't know. Your parent, you know that your child is going the wrong way, but you can't correct them because they think they know. And you see them hit the wall, and you can't stop them because you know they have a very heavy spirit on them to listen. Are you with me? Sometimes that's the frustration. Those are the things that put Paul in prayer. And in tears often. He says, and in tears often for the church. Are you hearing me? He's praying for the illumination of their eyes. That they might know what is the hope of their calling. What is the glorious riches of the inheritance of the saints? Because they don't know. And what is the exceeding greatness? That power that surpasses all measure, limit, and greatness. That is at work within them. That is his prayer. That they will know. That they will know. That they will know. Because sometimes it's one thing to function from a place of knowledge. And you're dealing with people who don't know. But they don't know that they don't know. They are sure they know. Let me tell you, when you start to hear God, you are shocked at how many people don't hear God. But when you don't hear God, you can think certain people hear God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? So he says, he let them not, me I'm not among them, I know the truth. Later on, when Paul is preaching about righteousness by faith, and everybody knows Moses for preaching righteousness by the law. Paul says, and the righteousness of faith speaks on this wise. When he spoke the righteousness of faith which speaks on that wise, he quoted Deuteronomy. Because he knows that even though Moses wrote Deuteronomy, Moses knew the righteousness of faith and the grace of God, and he knew the law. He knew the difference. That is why in Exodus 31, when Moses is telling the children of Israel to put away, um, to put away the, the Ten Commandments, into the, the Holy of Holies. He said, put it there, this book of the law, put it in the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, that it may be, listen, a witness against you. He didn't say a witness against us. Moses wasn't under the law. Moses was not under the law. He told them, it shall be a witness against you. He knows the law is against them. It's not against him. He's teaching what he knows they can't do 
said that he can lead them to the one who can do it in them, but he knows that they don't get it. So he has to walk a few ways with them to make them understand. But if he goes to reconcile records with Jesus Christ, the two of them understand. The two of them understand. The two of them what? It's like Moses and Jesus sitting down. You see, if you are, if, listen, one time I picked certain vibes of the conversation Moses had with Elijah and Christ. That is the ministry of the law and the prophets. I can tell you, I don't feel qualification to share, but I can assure you, my spirit sensed the substance of that conversation. Moses was not an immature person. Moses was not a man who did not know the grace of God. Moses was a man to whom the Lord revealed the grace and used him to put the law to them such that he can lead them. That's why when it comes to the ministry of the law, it stops to be just the imposition and interposition. It starts to become the schoolmaster. The Bible says, and the law was the schoolmaster. That means Moses is working in consonance with God to lead you to Christ. So he's a learned man dealing with the law. Because there are laws you need to know before you work with the law. That is why when Paul made the same mystery, he says, For we know that the law is good if it is used lawfully. That means there are certain laws that you need to carry in your spirit before you apply the law. We know that the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. Moses knew the lawful use of the law. He knew that the law was just a schoolmaster to lead a man to Christ and Jesus taking over. He wasn't under the law. He was dealing with men under the law. When the devil saw Moses, he said, wow, I've gotten something I can use. Are you hearing me? Because he didn't know the learning experience of Moses. He thought Moses was a progressive learner of the gospel. He should not have said, this covenant is set against thee, not us. He should not have said, he led them not, and excluding himself. He should not have thought of the righteousness of faith and beat in Deuteronomy. And then, and then he says, yeah, for it is not in heaven that thou should say, who shall go up for us in Deuteronomy 30. And then later he realized Paul quoting the same Deuteronomy 30, and he says, and the righteousness, listen, which is of faith, speakest on this wise. Say not in thine heart, he quotes Deuteronomy 30. He says, this is how the righteousness of faith speaks. Because for you, you're too used to the righteousness of the law. The place where you're righteous because of what you do. Not of the righteousness you carry because of faith in Christ. But Moses knew it. He pulls the mystery of Moses because he knows Moses and God knew what they were doing. Now, Moses law preached the law. He broke the law. He's a representation of the law. But he was not under the law. He did not believe in the law. He was not for the law. And God never judged Moses against the law. But he had to be an example. Circumcision. Why? Because he's teaching men who don't understand. Are you with me? Can we go deeper? Okay. So, the devil sees and realizes, hey, because the Bible is very clear, by the law no flesh shall be justified. What does the devil need? He needs something that can't justify flesh. Because the Bible says, by the law no flesh shall be 
justified in the sight of God. So when he knows that no flesh can be justified, he gets Moses. Because he knows Moses is the preacher of the law. He counts on Moses who was alive without the law. But when the law came, sin, commandments came, sin revived and I died. He knows he will kill many while the law is there. So he stays with the law. Moses dies. When Moses dies, the devil starts to fight for the guy's body and says, no. Listen, the devil has never fought for any man's body. But that day he fought with the angel of the Lord regarding the body of Moses. And the Bible says, and yet Michael, the archangel, when contended with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Why? He needs the body! Moses is dead, but he wants to go with his body. He knows if I keep it, I'll use it. I don't know whether I'll put in another spirit and it comes walking like Moses. I don't know whether I'll keep it in hell long enough to create another figure like him with a shining face. But I need this body. I need this body. So the devil starts to fight for him. The body. That the angel has to tell the guy, the Lord rebuke you. But why? He wants the body. When he loses the body to God, he maintains the person. Through all the religions of the world, you realize when the devil lost the body, he kept the person of Moses. That is why when you read in many of the religions of the world, for example, Judaism, okay, the Judistic Creed, eh? if you read the Seventh Creed, it says, read, I believe, listen to what they say, with a perfect faith, that means they're 100% sure, that the prophecies of Moses, our Master, may he rest in peace. Where true, listen, this is Judaism, that he was uh-huh, the father and chief of all wise men that lived before him, comma, or ever shall live after him. According to Judaism, no man is ever going to be wiser than Moses. No man is ever going to be deeper than Moses. Wait a minute. The Bible says that the queen of the south shall judge you. Because she listened to the wisdom of Solomon. But one with greater wisdom is come. Jesus, the Bible says, in him is hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you want to tell me that Moses is wiser than Christ? They maintain the person. That's why in many religious affiliations, their mindset is always around the law. What you don't do and what you must do to get God. Don't steal, don't kill, don't, 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 don't. Whether it's Islam, Sharia law, whether it's any of these other religions, they know nothing except the law. They don't understand Jesus Christ getting into the life of a man to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Many people are living a life of just trying to please a God who is already pleased with them. Many people are living a life of seeking a justification which they will never receive because there is no justification of the flesh under the law. You look at all of this. Muhammad, Nabi Muhammad, peace be upon him. Same language. Are you with me? Same language. Everything they know is the law. They don't know grace. They don't know the person of Jesus Christ. They don't know that Jesus is a fulfillment of the law. And the law came by Moses. And the Bible says, and grace and truth came by Jesus. 
They don't know how to relate with God without doing certain things. Instead, they don't know how to allow God to work in them. They just know what they have to do. So many people are doing for God to please Him instead of allowing God to enter their lives. Salvation is not a religion. Salvation is saying, I can't, you can. I cannot, but you can in me. And then you start to work a personal relationship with that God who you are fully persuaded can in you. And without Him, the Bible says, you can do nothing. But now we've gone back to the religious lines. Jesus in our lives is not the entity helping us. He's the entity we're trying to help. We are working for the Word. The Word is not working in us. How can we produce results? How do we expect results? Are you with me? In Romans 6, he said something very crazy. Listen. Give me the seventh verse. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, once let's go. Uh-huh. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Is that true? Is it true that if a man dies, he's freed from sin? It's true. You don't tempt dead bodies. You've never heard that a dead body left the graveyard and killed a man. That the dead body left the graveyard and lied to the, yeah, and smoked cigarettes and did all these kinds of things. You've never heard of it. You cannot tempt dead bodies. You understand? You cannot tell me a dead man fooled a certain woman and then he said, oh, listen, you can't. The devil didn't tempt dead men. Now listen to this wonderful thing. Now, if we be dead, if we be dead, are you dead? Are you dead? He says, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Live with him. I told somebody one time, and people the other day, that, you see, when the Bible says in Ephesians 2, that we were dead in our trespasses, I want you to understand that the wages of sin is death. And therefore, any man who was living a sinful life was already dead. You agree? So then why did God need to kill you again? Yet you're dead. Why would he add more death on a dead man because of sin? I'm not talking about... So do you see that the verse before is not talking about dead in sin? He's talking about dead in Christ. For he that is dead, okay, in Christ, is free from sin. That's why he corrects it, all right, expounds on it in the next verse and says, For if we be dead with Christ, then we believe that we shall live. So we're not talking about the death of sin separation, we're talking about the death because you died with Christ. For when he died, we died with him. But why does God kill dead men? It's because they are dead to sin. Are you hearing me? And he needs to kill the power of sin by killing the man such that the man now comes as a new creation dead to sin. Are you with me? Are you with me? Uh Uh-huh. And the next verse says, Uh Uh-huh. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more, the death and has no more dominion over him. Uh-huh. For in he in that he died, he died unto sin once, but all in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And so what happens in the 14th verse? In the 14th verse he says, okay, let's begin from 11. Likewise ye yourselves, begin with the 11th verse, recon yourselves to be dying. 
to be dying. No. He says, therefore, so recon yourselves to be dead and to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. You're a sinner. I'm not a sinner saved by grace now. I went past that. I was a sinner saved by grace. Now I'm a saint. Do you understand what I mean? You were a sinner saved by grace. Now you're not. The man saved died with Christ. The man saved died with Christ. The new one is incorruptible seed. So how can you save what is incorruptible? The Bible says you've been begotten of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God given to the body forever. So how can you save what is incorruptible? So the man saved died with Christ. And then now you are the fruit of redemption. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now, recon, count, amplify. Give me an amplifier of the same 11. Uh-huh. Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin. That means sin, when sin comes to you, it shakes like this and realize, ah, this one is dead. Then it comes to another one and says, ah, this one is dead. Oh, he's dead. You understand? But alive unto God. <laughs> alive unto God. Hallelujah. So he says, read this. Your relation is broken. But you are alive to God, living in an unbroken fellowship with Him in Christ. That means that the fellowship you carry with God is not broken at all. There is no day where God doesn't hear you. Why won't you do miracles? Today God didn't hear. No, God will hear you every day. God will hear you every day. Why? Because you are in a living, continuous, unbroken fellowship. Because sin, the Bible says, disturbs relations. And you're free from sin. Does that mean, listen, who's saying? You're not born again if you think like that. You know that? Anyway, so he says, even so, he says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not, but under. How can somebody read that portion of scripture? And say, ah, for me, I still like to be under the law. Listen. There are some people who say, oh, there are some people who are preaching grace, extreme grace. Of course, grace is extreme. <laughs> of course, it is extreme. You tell me how, where the, the grace of God ends. You tell me. You tell me where it ends. Tell me where God will stop loving you. You tell me the point where God says, Now you, I'm done with you. I no longer want to. Some people think that God is like that. I'm not your friend. Give me even my bag. Even give me my watch. I'm not your friend. I don't want to talk to you. Go away. No, listen. God is not like that. The Bible says, For we are persuaded that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. That's extreme, which is in Christ Jesus. Not things now. Not things present. Not things to come. No angels. Not even an angel. Can report me to Jehovah God. He says, For I'm persuaded that neither death, no life, no angels, no principalities, no powers, no things present, no things to come, no height, no depth, no any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which he has shown in Christ. Isn't that too extreme? You do whatever you do. God still loves you anyway. Do you know how many people were written off by one mistake? 
Do you know how many people are no longer considered to be anything? Because they made one great mistake. Let me tell you, I came to tell you, Jesus still loves you with an everlasting love. He will use you. He will raise you up. He will ascend them. He will present you perfect one day. Why? Because his mandate for us is simple. To make us stand. Religion never forgets. If you stole two years ago, you'll always be a thief. If you cheated on your husband 20 years ago, you'll always be a cheat. But I come to tell you, people change. And they need another chance. People need another chance. Me and me of a girl who was impregnated in a church and they chased her out. We found her singing secular music. Told her, come back to church. She told us that your pastors chased me out of church and the devil loved me out. Don't tell me about Christ. What a shame. We couldn't love Christians and the devil loved them. How are we ever going to bring her back to church if we can't ever convince her of that love of God which is unconditional? Listen, grace is extreme. I said the grace of God is extreme. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Oh! Oh! That love that sees you as you are, you're flawed, you've messed up, you're all crazy and stinky, and he still says, I still love you. I can still use you. I can still correct you. I can make you straight. I can make you... Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can still use you. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'll clean them. You come out. Come as you are. Come as you are. Do you know why people don't come to Jesus anymore? Because when they come to Jesus, they see a list of do's. Instead of the relationship and love that is ready to get any man as they are. Listen, it's not our business to change people. It's the business of God. Romans 14 says it somewhere. The fifth verse. Give me, give me the message version. Message. He says, uh-huh. Oh, say why? But one person thinks that some days should be set aside only and another thinks that each day is pretty much like any other. There are good reasons either way. So each person is free to follow the convictions of conscience. Uh-huh. Next verse. What's important in all this is that if you keep a holy day, keep it for God's sake. If you eat meat, eat it to the glory of God and thank God for the prime rib. If you're a vegetarian, eat your vegetables to the glory of God and thank God for broccoli. Uh-huh. None of us, listen... None of us are permitted to insist our own way in the matters of other people's businesses. Uh-huh. It's God we are answerable to all the way from life to death and everything in between, not each other. We are not answerable to each other. Listen, it's not your business whether she stole. You mind your business. Why? Next verse. That's why Jesus lived and then died and lived again. So that he could be our master across the entire range of life and death. And free us from the petty tyrannies of each other. Next verse. So where does that leave you when you criticize a brother? And where does that leave you when you condense a sister? I would say it leaves you looking pretty silly or worse. Eventually, we are all going to end up kneeling side by side in the place of judgment facing God. Your critical condescending ways aren't going to improve your position there one bit. Read it for yourself in scripture. As I live and breathe, God says every knee. Some of you, 
you think you're more important than the rest? You think God is going to take you to heaven? He's not going to take some people to heaven. Shut up! Who are you to know who God is taking to heaven and not? It's not your business. That's why when you go in the earlier verses of the same Romans 14, do you have any business crossing people off the guest list or interfering with God's welcome? If there are corrections to be made, or manners to be learned, God can handle it without your help. Leave us alone. This one is this. This one is cult. This one is not cult. This one is deceit. This one is not a shut up. Who are you to cross people off God's guest list? Leave Christians. Leave your friends. You Listen. Listen. You work to your own life. Don't judge people. Because you never know when they change. And you don't know what the Lord is doing in people's lives. There are people who look like they are rotten. But brother, God is working on them in a certain way. And one day you're going to be surprised when they are standing and you're falling. That is why he says, hey, take heed. Some of you think you're standing. You just like disqualifying people. Shut up! Leave it for God and preach the gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen. Listen. We are dead to sin. How can we live in it? That means I've realized if a man is still alive to sin, to the degree you are alive to sin is to the degree you are under the law. For he says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law but under grace. That means if sin still has dominion on you, you're still under the law. You still have a certain thing on you. But as you continue to go in grace, you realize sin won't manage you at all. But while you're on your way there, I ask your critics to shut up. Because maybe they eat meat and you eat vegetables. You understand? That's why the Romans 14 began that way from verse 1. He said that some of us eh, eh, welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't what? See things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they, are strong they have strong opinions but are weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. There are people with weaknesses. Treat them. But you know how many men have got guns on innocent people, weak people, and shot them. I have not seen a hatred in the body of Christ like Christians. They kill their own. They read a tabloid that is not written of God. Man, Christians. Christians. People don't even want to come to church anymore. Because they remember that the pastor's cousin spoke evil about her and, and gossiped about her. Are you hearing me? Why? Because she wants favor with the pastor. So she speaks evil about another sister. Why? Because you want to earn favor. Listen, 
It's none of my business, the growth story of a man. My business is simple in Fanero. Every day I will give you Jesus. Let him deal with the details. How many people, listen, by show of hands, how many people here? They try to talk to you to walk out of things and you fail. Put up. Now people talked and quarreled and abused you. You used to drink alcohol and take drugs and people spoke and they failed to change you. Put up. Put down. Now how many people just changed because of the message of Jesus Christ? Nobody even told you. But let us let God work in people's lives. <laughs> For the throne of God above, I have a strong perfect, a great hand. Sing those words from your heart. from your heart.
And some of you might not yet be living a perfect life, but I assure you that as the word of God continues to enter your spirit, you're walking out of all kinds of weaknesses, all kinds of vices, all kinds of addictions, all kinds of, 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 of sin. As the word of God penetrates your spirit, Jesus will work in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. He's got your work. He's perfecting you every day. You're walking out. You're better today than you were yesterday. Sin does not have power over you. You cannot say that I'm addicted to a drug or sex or any of those things. You can't carry addiction because you're not under the law. Men under the law are them which carry addiction. But I decree and declare to you that there is nothing bigger than you. There is nothing you can't control. And in Jesus' mighty name, you walk out of with the power to walk out of witness. You walk out with the power to walk out of, 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 of sin. You walk out of the power out with the power to walk out of any addiction, any perversion, any weaknesses in your body. God delivers you by reason of the truth. Say, I receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. Now, if you're here and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord, and you're saying, everything I've tried to do, I've failed. Oh, I don't do it like I want to. Now I want a life in me that can do it. Repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, you're not only Savior, but you're Lord of my life. I believe that you died, and then you rose again. I'm the one true Son of God, who can perfect and work in me. From today, I'm born again. Not of flesh and blood out of the spirit I'm a new creation you will sustain me you will work in me both to will and to do in Jesus mighty name the message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International for more information contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at Fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.